God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. The question I have is, is God persuaded by prayer? We're going to answer that question today on the Creation Today Show. Thank you guys for joining me. Thanks to our creation members out there for hanging out with me. I see you out there. Uh, appreciate you guys logging in. So Masaki, how are you? Tom, good to see you. Uh, all of you guys, good to see you. Brad, Diane, uh, great to have you guys with me. I, I'm, I'm very interested in this question, is God persuaded by prayer? Because the very concept of prayer uh, is something strange to many people. Many Christians don't even understand what prayer is all about. And so I've invited uh, Chad Hovind on the show with me. Uh, yes, we share the same last name, and it's actually my cousin uh, up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Chad, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so uh, thankful to have you on. You're the pastor of Horizon Community Church. I have learned many, many, many lessons from you and your sermons uh, through horizoncc.com. So thank you guys for making all those available to people. I really appreciate it. No problem. Well, I've got fond memories. I've got fond memories of growing up with you. And I thought to start off the show before we talk about prayer, can I ask you just a pop quiz question? Can you what's your favorite story from Grandma Hovind? Ooh, favorite story from Grandma Hovind. Uh, it's probably got to be just how cheap or uh, or or um, well, just how cheap she was. A nice way to say it, but <laughs> it's probably the Christmas gatherings where she'd have everybody gather together. And Grandma was a kindergarten teacher, so she didn't realize that not all 30, 40, and 50-year-olds want to act like kindergartners. So she would have all of the family get together and make us all play thimble, thimble, who's got the thimble, button, button, who's got the button. And then she'd make people crawl around on all floors to play games, and everybody was humiliated, but she thought it was great. So uh, I love seeing Uncle Mark um, you know, uh, kind of get into it with her, but especially with um, with her Christmas cards. I mean, she was so cheap. I would get a card for Christmas and say, "Dear Eric, dear Ryan, dear Ross, dear Chad." She reused <laughs> all the Christmas cards, so that's uh, very, very thrifty. She was indeed. Maybe that's where I get it from. Maybe this is a genetic problem I have. Of uh, my wife is trying to heal me of. She didn't even want to redecorate that Christmas tree every year, so she put a garbage sack over it, fully decorated, and shoved it up into the attic. It was like the Grinch uh, from the scene from the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> Literally, every year we got invited over, we're shoving that thing up into the you know the ladder that comes down to the ceiling, and then we yanked it back out the next year. So, good old Grandma Hovind, I own. Well, fond memories though of growing up and uh, hanging out with you guys during the summer, and now you've been a pastor for twenty. Well, here I've been uh, here about 19 years, but I've been in ministry probably for about 27, 28 years, uh, you know, part-time or full-time since college. So I was thinking 26 or 27 years, not yeah. trying to give your age. I've been married 27, there. so I've been in ministry a little bit before that. So almost going on 30 years, believe it or not. That's awesome. And I sort of yeah, that's why I'm so young. Do, do, do we have an understanding? Do you think the, 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 the body of Christ, let alone the world in general, has a good grasp on what prayer actually is how it works, what it does. Do you think we understand this or is this something we really got to figure out? 
Oh, I think it's something that's a, a real mystery. And I think anyone who's serious about prayer, those are going to be really high highs and low lows. And I think when you read the Bible, you see the same thing. I mean, look at the book of Psalms. It's filled with lament psalms. There's not a lot of answers there. There's a lot of beating on God's chest and saying, God, why are you letting this happen? Uh, Psalm 73, the song of Asaph, I love that song. He says, I almost lost my faith because God doesn't seem to do what he's supposed to do, doesn't seem to answer prayer. And he spends like, you know, 20 verses lamenting. And then he has to remind himself of some truths at the end. But you get to the book of Habakkuk, or lamentations, and it's like 90%, God, I am angry, I am frustrated, I am bothered, you don't seem to be doing things that are right. I remember when I was first married 27 years ago, my wife had reoccurring health problems. And I'm telling you, I prayed fervently, and I prayed daily, if not hourly, and God didn't seem to answer those prayers. And I found myself in the book of lamentation, like, God is targeting me for pain. I mean, it's just, I was like, yes, that's exactly how I feel, it's exactly how I feel. And then I got to chapter 3, verse 20, after this incredible, just raw emotion poured out on God. In the middle of this, like, I can't believe he's saying this out loud. He says, but this I recall to mine, and therefore I have hope. His mercies are new every morning, new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. And I'm like, how does a guy who just wrote chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 of this raw anger at God for what he's doing and what he's seeing and the evil he's allowing to happen, how is he able to have that in his heart? I think that's the difference between the gospel and maybe atheism and, and even religion. Religion says you can't ask those questions. You know, just here's the formula. You do it. God's supposed to respond. Atheism says, why bother? God's not there. He doesn't do anything. The gospel allows you to say, God... I'm in a relationship with you, and you want me to be honest. That means there's times I'm going to beat on your chest and say, I don't get this. I don't like this. And the book of Lamentations and the Lament Psalms and Habakkuk really gives us the freedom to be frustrated. I mean, like frustrated that God doesn't answer prayer. And yet, and yet the golden calf moment, God comes down, says to, to Moses in Exodus 32, I'm done. Yeah, we're just, let's start all over with you. I'm just going to destroy my people. And they just, basically, they've chosen another lover while I'm up trying to give them commandments. And it says that Moses pleaded with the Lord. And it says, and the Lord relented from doing harm. And some translations even say the Lord changed his mind. Wow. It's, it's, it's anti-morphic language, so he doesn't really change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it's clear in there that God was persuaded or God was moved by Moses' intervention. So why sometimes he moves and sometimes he doesn't, I don't know. And in fact, I, I remember my first job at a family life center, uh, methadone clinic I worked at while I was in college. I had an atheist I worked with. And I was lamenting all the time at work about my wife being sick and how frustrating that was and how I'd rather have God put it on me than on her. And she's like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I'm an atheist and I write for the Atheist Magazine here in Cincinnati. Why don't you just give up? And I paused for a second and I thought, huh, that, that's a real question. I said, I guess it's because as real as my struggles are, God is even more real than them. Mm. And... I wish he answered differently, but the hope he offers, the truth he offers, the presence he offers. So there's a lot of pieces of that I can get into, but to me, that's a real raw idea that um, is my job, is my goal to get to know God or trying to manipulate God into doing what I want using some new formula. And I think that's what a lot of us do. I know. And I do. that I think is the issue with the way many of us are brought up. 
Uh, some people are brought up in, uh, in a religion that says, hey, you got to say these certain words. Others, you know, you got to pray these certain ways. Others, you got to you got to be in this certain postures. Other mm-hmm. uh, examples would be you have to do A, B and C before you pray in order to, you know, unlock the goodness of God. So unpackage this for us and kind of help us understand the, the what scripture tells us about the mind of God when it comes to the, the how, the why, the uh, the, the, the way you're supposed to do it, because I know myself, I, I find myself in our age of reason going, okay, what's the formula? What, what's mm-hmm. the one plus one equals two. So if I do this plus pray, the answer is God does what I, what I want yeah, is sure. really what I'm trying to accomplish. But walk us through kind of God's perspective from scripture on prayer. Well, I hate to make it so simplistic, but I think God wants honest, real prayers. In fact, even when Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he says, first of all, I'm coming to God because I want his perspective. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done. Mm -hmm. Even to open up, I say, Father, hallowed be your name. God, I'm coming to you and saying, I want to trust you. You know better than me. Um, So I think that's really the main thing is I'm coming and saying, God, I'm going to tell you what I want. I'm going to tell you what's in my heart. I'm going to tell you what's bothering me. And as every good father feels about their kids, you want to hear what's going on with your kids. In fact, my son, I have a son who's autism, who's 12, and he didn't speak till he was three or four. And even now at 12, he's got like 200 words. And so I never knew what his voice sounded like for like the first three years. And I remember praying, thinking, boy, I just wish I could hear his voice. And I thought, I wonder how much God feels that way toward my prayers. It's not like I'm telling him anything he doesn't know, but man, he wants to hear my voice. And he wants me to talk about what's on my mind. So if I was going to summarize prayer in maybe a simple phrase, it's, talking to God. (laughs) And I would say, as you look through scripture, there's angry prayers, there's weeping prayers, there's fall on your face, I don't get it prayers. There's, hey, I need your wisdom and perspective prayers. And there's some prayers that are so crazy in the Bible that almost forces you to say, don't even try a formula. I mean, I think of, uh, I can't remember which psalm it is, but the psalm about David feigning madness before the king of uh, the Philistines. You remember that one? Yeah. You don't remember it, for those who don't know the story. David comes in, he's kind of hiding out in Gath. He shouldn't be in there anyway, so he's already outside of God's will. And they recognize him. It's like, oh, that's the same David that killed Goliath many years ago. And he's like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. So he's, a, he's basically surrounded by the king uh, of, of the Philistines and a whole bunch of people. And he says, what am I going to do? He shoots up apparently a quick prayer and says, God, uh, Tell me what I should do. He then feigns madness, drools all over his beard, flops around on the floor, and the the king, uh, Philistine king's like, don't I have enough madmen here in, <laughs> in Gath? Get this guy out of here. That can't be David. David then goes and writes this whole psalm about in that moment he prayed and God answered him. So I'm like, you know what? If, if you can drool all over yourself in a popcorn prayer to God, just in the sphere of the moment, and he answered it, then I think kind of everything goes as long as you really are being honest with God because he wants to hear your heart. And I think as you grow in prayer, you're saying, God, I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so even when I don't like your answer, uh, I'm going to trust that you know best. There's kind of an old adage that says that God answers in four ways for prayer. You know, it's no, that is an answer to prayer. I don't like it. There's go, hey, go for it. You know, here's the answer. I'm going to answer it. There's slow. I think slow is one that frustrates me a lot, somebody who likes to get stuff done, but it's you're not ready for this yet. You need to grow in your character. You need to grow in your understanding. And so it's a good request. It's even a request I'm going to answer, but slow down. 
And then lastly, it kind of goes with that, but it's grow. And you need to grow into the place where I can bless you, reward you. Um, but I think in all those perspectives, I think we need to start with the assumption that God knows best. And honestly, I just don't do that. I mean, again, I've been potty training my son for 12 years. And like God can cross the Red Sea. And every single night for a decade, I have prayed, please help my son get potty trained. Right now, he's not sleeping through the night. God, please help him sleep through the night. And more often than not, he doesn't. And it'd be easy to say, you know what, thank you for getting me to heaven, but you know, I'm not just going to talk to you because what a waste of time. So to the person who says, well, I, I just, I don't know how to pray. I've been at gatherings and people have said, I, I, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at praying. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say to them? It sounds like you'd say, you know, talk to him like you would talk to a counselor. Just have mm-hmm. a conversation with him. He's listening. And the atheist, the skeptic is going to go, that looks really weird. It looks like you're talking to yourself. So what do you say to these? Yeah, I would say we all talk to ourselves. Uh, talk to anyone who worries. What do you do when you worry? You talk to yourself all the time. What if this happens and this happens and this happens? If you're a control freak, what do you do? You talk to yourself all the time. I'm going to control this and they're going to say this. And you kind of reimagine conversations you had. So the question um, is not, do we all talk to ourselves? The question is, uh, are you talking to somebody who can actually do something about it? And I think that's the real question, which is, in fact, the, the psalmists in their prayers, they used to call it soul talk. And there's lots of, of psychological research to support this. It's called cognitive therapy now. And it's the idea that you talk truth to yourself. In fact, even in prayer in the Psalms, you see that. Let's take Psalm 73, you know, Asaph saying, I almost slipped, I almost gave up the faith. God did this. He let the wicked prosper. There's no pain in their death. So he, he kind of catches himself exaggerating. But then, just like in Lamentations, I recalled this to mind and said to myself, or many times in the psalm, you say, and I reminded myself, O soul, trust in the Lord. So a lot of times you're talking truth back to your soul because your emotions can be out of whack. Your thoughts can be out of whack. You can believe lies. And there's actually research. I have uh, several friends that go to our church who are doctors. We're a church about 3,000. So a lot of doctors, a lot of surgeons. And one guy, a good friend of mine, he actually does brain studies and he can see where the blood flow occurs and he said for those who uh, pray what happens is the blood that kind of kicks on and the blood flow that occurs in your frontal cortex and so even chemically and biochemically you can see the benefits because certain parts of your brain when you're when you're in your hippocampus mode kind of fear of flight <clears throat> it's all in the back of your brain and you kind of the rational side shuts down so prayer is also a way in which you're engaging yourself with true engaging with god but also trying to get out of that fear and flight mode to kind of get yourself in a healthy place so god made this so our, our body our soul and spirit all work in sync when we pray and even if we don't get the answer we want we're actually getting ourselves out of that fight or flight mode that's actually, you know, causing ulcers ultimately in our stomach. And so it's, it's actually good for you to pray. I've actually seen studies where they say people that spend time meditating are less, less anxious, less worrisome. Uh, they have a, a, just a better state of mind in general when they spend time actually, actually praying, actually meditating. Mm-hmm. So I find that it's always interesting when you see kind of the scientific world and the, the scriptural world meet up because so many people think, well, this is, this is religion. This isn't science. This is, has nothing to do with matter. It has nothing to do with the chemical makeup of our structure of us as human beings. So that's one thing. That's more of a spiritual thing. And then, and then we got, you know, the physical thing over here and over and over and over, I keep seeing how well, these are pretty interconnected, the way, the way the spirit and the body work together. 
Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. And so like back to my example, I'm a nature pathway person, so I connect best to God. So if I was going to encourage somebody, like, how do you start praying? Yeah, I just, again, just start talking to God. You know, I had a buddy who kind of grew up in a, a church, very formal, had to pray very formally. And I shared the idea. Jesus said, hey, when you pray, go into your closet, get by yourself. You're not heard because of your many words or your fancy words. He's like, you mean I can pray with slang? I said, well, if that's how you want to say it. And I think going for a walk in the woods. And as you're walking in the woods by yourself, just, hey, God, here's what my day's going on. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm thankful for. Here's what's going on with my son today, and here's how I felt about that. Here's some great things going on in my marriage I want to thank you for. Hey, God, Holy Spirit, help me. Are there some things I said in in that conversation with my wife or my daughter that I need to apologize for? Just this kind of real, honest talking. And you think about Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount saying, Hey, you struggle with worry? You struggle with talking to yourself? Um, look at the birds. And so even then, what are you doing? You're taking your mind off talking to yourself and saying, oh, looking at the birds, science. Look at how God takes care of them. Oh, yeah. So then take that thought, that truth, and talk it back to yourself. Oh, yeah. God takes care of them, and God knows that when they fall out of a tree, then Jesus says, then he, you, you're so much more valuable than that. And he's actually telling you to engage your brain. So prayer is a chance to engage brain. Think how many times in the Bible, renew your mind, take thoughts captive, soul talk, meditate on things that are pure and holy and a good rapport. This is just really practical psychological stuff that long before psychology discovered this stuff, um, the Bible's been talking about the ancient wisdom of, of soul talk for, you know, 3,000, 4,000 years. I'm thinking as you say that people are always trying to figure out how can they get, you know, what they want out of prayer. And I think that would be a, it'd be a, a, a great, a great uh, sermon. How do you get what you want out of prayer? Change what you want. <laughs> That's how you sure. get what you want out of prayer. Because at the end of the day, we are, we are constantly thinking so humanistic and selfishly about prayer and, and prayer. And I want to get to this question, is God persuaded by prayer? Because if prayer is more about changing our minds to conform to Christ, can prayer actually change the mind of God? I mean, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He set things in motion from the beginning of creation. Can, can you actually change the mind of God through prayer? I want to, I want to address that question as well, all right, well uh, as we go through this. Well, I got two, two examples to give you already, Exodus 32 and another one's Numbers 14. So God clearly is persuaded by prayer. And so whatever the, um, the language is that says, you know, God relented from doing harm and some translations, God changed his mind. I mean, it's clear that God does, is persuaded. I always think of that passage where Abraham is wheeling and dealing with the mercy of God. All right, uh, we're, I don't want you to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Will you give me 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. No, how about 40, 40, 40, 30, 30, 30. And so God actually says he likes that kind of raw uh, negotiating. And so even, even in the Bible, you got on this side, do not test God. Okay. And on the other side, you have this, but I want you to wheel and deal with me. I want you to wrestle with me. Even uh, Israel's name, right? What does Israel's name mean? Well, originally it meant Jacob, deceiver. But what did he do? He He wrestled with God. Mm. And I always say, if you're frustrated, God, welcome to the club. You know, humans are, and God in the Bible has so, if I was an editor, I would have taken a lot of these books out because (laughs) God didn't do the right thing here. He didn't do the right thing here. The Bible says we're living not in a, 
not at Disney World. This, this world is not a vacation. It's a war zone of forces of good and evil. And in that, there's going to be times you don't understand. And even the process of prayer, it, he gives us some real nuggets to figure out kind of what are some perspectives to bring. But I always encourage you to keep wrestling. Like think about if I care about something, like when I see a, a marriage, a couple in marriage coming into my office for marriage counseling, if they're still fighting, it's a good sign because it means they still care enough about the relationship to fight for it. It's when they've both kind of stopped fighting and just like, you know, whatever. That's when I know there's, you know, kind of alarm bells are going off. The same thing with God. It's there's a lot of good reason that you might want to wash your hands and say, I'm done with it. Keep wrestling, because even if you don't get the answer or don't get it for a while, when you wrestle with someone, you're close to them. And so keep wrestling, keep struggling, keep beating on God's chest. And I think that's the call. And I think even to name Jacob Israel is to say one who contends with God. And I think that's what God's calling us to do, to wrestle with him. And even we don't understand it. But it's not to say it's all a mystery. There are some principles he gives us that can bring answers in the midst of that, too. I'd, I'd love to get into those principles because I think that's incredibly important. And then don't let me forget, I also want to ask you, what do you think about um, books of prayers, praying prayers that other people have written, praying? Uh, I, I, there's some great, I think, good books out there. The, prayer, the, the Power of a Praying Husband, The Power of a Praying Wife. <laughs> Uh, and I know I've, I've read The Power of a Praying Husband and uh, actually taken down prayers that each morning I've read over, uh, you know, to, 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 to prick my mind of things to, to seek God on, not as that magic key so that he'll do what I want, but God, let this be my petition to you. So I want to ask you about that as well. Okay. Well, I think um, whatever helps you pray is better. So, right, and when you first learned to bike, you went, hey, I can't ride a bike quite yet. I need some training wheels. And so sometimes it's a matter of training wheels. Hey, I don't know how to start. And so I need to get around people who pray, and it sounds real. It doesn't sound like overly religious. It's like I want to get around people who pray, um, who teach me how to talk to God. If I'm not around people, I think books are great. And then are there different prayers in the Bible? Let's look at the Lord's Prayer. Not as the formula, formulaic. He said, pray like this. You don't have to pray this, but pray like this. Uh, there's a prayer of Je- Je- the prayer of Jabez. God, enlarge my territory. Now, could that be uh, a bad thing that all you're wanting is God to improve your territory? Yeah, but it's also an okay prayer. God, I want to do your work. And if I'm doing your work, I'd like you to expand my ability to expand your kingdom. That's pretty good. And I think, you know, especially as folks living in 2021 in America, we think the idea of reading a prayer feels inauthentic. And it kind of rings true to me too. Like I'd prefer not to read a prayer, but I don't think that's necessarily true for everybody. I think many people love the liturgy of that. And it's not, they're just going through the motions. They're connecting with prayers and truths from generations. So whether you're reading that from the scripture or reading it from a formalized prayer or you know, taking the prayer of Charles Spurgeon or Amy Carmichael, there's a way in which you're connecting and almost joining hands with, with generations of people who've prayed. And I think that's a way that can kind of help you know, listen. In fact, one of my favorite prayers from a spiritual warfare perspective, and that's one of the things prayer does, is somehow prayer engages spiritual forces. And yet, let's take Daniel from the book of Daniel. He says he prays, God, I need help. God, I need help. And Michael the archangel shows up 30 days later. Remember this. And he says, hey, the minute you prayed, 
God sent me. Well, why did it take 30 days? <laughs> yeah. right? like, and he says this truth is if you should know about it, it, but it's a brand new concept in Daniel. Well, because on my way here, I had to fight against the Prince of Persia. And you're like, what Prince of Persia? And he says, there's a spiritual entity over the area of Babylon you're in. And I had to fight my way to get to you. So it's almost like this whole nother world that we're engaging when we pray. And by the time you get to Ephesians chapter six, it says, you know, put on the full armor of God because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of this dark age. He's like, oh, that's what Daniel was talking about. There was a prince of an age. And so sometimes whenever I see a marriage falling apart or a company falling apart or a church falling apart, Satan almost always uses the same three techniques. It's a spirit of confusion. What's going on here? Then immediately the spirit of control as people are trying to control the confusion and then catastrophe. And so sometimes you've done everything you went to do, but Ephesians 6 says, and, and that comes right out of Ephesians 5 about marriage, by the way, what might be going on may be a spiritual matter. I'm saying, God, I've tried all the techniques. I've tried to do all the right things. I need your help. And this is beyond me. Uh, there's something else in the room. <laughs> you know, yeah. Something else I can't get a hold of. And I need you to engage, pull back the spirit. So I, I've prayed against the spirit of confusion in my personal life, in my professional life. Pray against the spirit of, uh, of control. Mm-hmm. You think 1 Corinthians 14, right? God has not, if you see confusion, God has not given us the spirit of confusion. Right? So it's never, confusion is never of God. And so there's a guy named John Eldridge. He's written several books, Wild at Heart and others. But he's got a website called Ransom Hearts. If you Google Ransom Heart Prayers We Pray, he's got like 20 prayers on that website. A daily prayer, extended daily prayer, uh, pray to be good soil, pray for healing from sexual abuse, just all kinds of them. And so at night, I will often, as I'm getting ready to bed, I'll press play. And you can either read it or you can listen to it. I will listen to that daily prayer. He prays out loud on it, and I just stay about one sentence behind him. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you now to be renewed and restored in you. Mm-hmm. And it's a way of kind of helping me go, wow, this is like a 15-minute prayer. I wouldn't pray for 15 minutes. How do I really incorporate Christ's death, his resurrection, ascension? And it has brought so much freedom to folks. I know guys have been caught in sexual addiction. They started praying that prayer for a year, and they said, this is what finally broke that thing. I know another lady who's uh, going through severe pain right now, and she's losing hope because of the meaninglessness of the pain. She started praying that prayer and just realigning herself to the reality that that God knows best, even though our circumstances don't necessarily show it. So that's one of my favorite prayers is the prayers we pray, ransom hearts. John Eldridge and his wife, Stacy, um, pray those prayers for you. So there's a couple. I've seen those before. I've found myself going to those. I've, I've gone back to the old Puritan prayers and prayed some of the old Puritan prayers. Uh, and then, of course, the, the however praying husband, however praying wife, these prayers you can pray. There's mm-hmm. apps I've used, how to pray over your wife and some of the things to, to pray over. I, I had a lot of questions come in. And uh, let me, I'll just give you a couple of these. Don't answer them yet. Um, how do we pray for things not specifically stated in Scripture? Why do my prayers seem to go unanswered year after year? Why don't Christians get healed every time they pray? Um, Why are so many prayers not answered by God? Uh, Why did you not let my husband come home or or heal his affliction after I continuously prayed? I want to go through some of these that people have written and and I want to answer these questions. Uh, But first, 
Uh, Facebook and YouTube, I'm so glad you guys joined us for just the, the first couple minutes here of this conversation. We're going to continue this conversation uh, uh, with our Creation Today members. If you want to join, you can go to creationtoday.org and sign up for that. I want to encourage you, though, before I go, uh, Pastor Chad, my, my cousin, uh, he goes by Pastor Chad around his place. So Pastor Chad. Or just uh, Chad is fine, too. Website. Do it. Or just Chad is fine. Chad, okay. Uh, has, a, has a great website that has years worth of sermons that he's preached. He does, uh, well, I'll tell him, you do expositional, uh, you do expository. Um, can you tell him real quick about why you guys have two different services? And then uh, the, the website, by the way, is horizoncc.com, horizoncc.com. But tell him real quick why you guys have two different sermons every Sunday. And then, guys, I got to let you go. Sure. Well, that's a great commission. Uh, we're called to do evangelism and discipleship. So we have two services. Uh, one is designed for evangelism. The other one's designed for discipleship. So the discipleship service, they both have challenging Bible teaching, but one of them I go verse by verse through the Bible. And if you go into our website or our app, Horizon Space CC, to get the app, you can just click on book by book. And it's hundreds of sermons by book of the Bible I've taught for 18, 19 years. So, hey, what, what's the Bible say about Leviticus? I preached the whole book of Leviticus. Right now we're in the book of, uh, we just did First Samuel. We're right now in the book of Hebrews, and we're about to start Numbers. And so we do robust worship for 20-year Bible veterans. You're going to hear stuff you've never heard every week. It's going to be challenging Bible teaching, assuming you're a 20-year Bible veteran who wants to really be equipped and discipled. However, we're also assuming that you're going to invite your friends to church, and most of our friends don't want to come to church. So we've created an evangelism service, which is still robust, challenging, topical preaching, surrounded by music you might hear in the culture, and it's going to be very, very easy to invite your friends, and you're going to hear deep, challenging Bible teaching, a gospel presentation, but I'm going to anticipate questions your friends would have that maybe you don't have. We're going to create a very warm and welcoming environment, and we're trying to comfortably connect people to God through the Bible and a you know, community of growing Christ followers. And that's always a challenge. How do you have challenging Bible teaching and comfortable environments? Those are like two tension points, right? Yeah. So we work really, really hard to have both. And that's why we have two services. We call them the exploring service for those who are kicking the tires on Christianity and the equipping service for 20-year Bible veterans. Well, I love it. I've, Like I said at the very beginning, I've learned so much uh, from your teaching and really appreciate it. So those of you on Facebook and YouTube, go check it out, horizoncc.com. And I'll see you guys next week. Kent, what's the conversation next week? Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, Emil Zwayne is my guest next week, walking away from evangelism. So live at seven o'clock next Monday night. Why does Christianity seem to be walking away from the very commission that we were given? But I'll see you guys next week. All right. Creation Today members, let's keep hanging out here. Um, Chad, I did have all these questions that, that people have written that I, I'm... I, I can see how an unbeliever would take these as incredibly challenging, but it sounds like what you're saying is, Eric, it's not an either or uh, when it comes to prayer. It's not either you change your mind or God changes his mind. It's a both and, and there's, there's scriptures that, that, teach both of these things. It's, it's aligning our heart to God. I, I, I had Matthew chapter six open here. Lord, teach us to pray. You know, here's, here's how to do it. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I've always tried to mentally go through this. God, mm -hmm. let me just, let me recognize who I'm speaking to right now. That's powerful. Sure. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Just starting right there with God, whatever I'm going to say, I submit this to you and to what mm -hmm. you have. So we have that aspect, but we also have the aspect of, of, of prayer actually persuading God. 
and, yeah. and seemingly changing the mind of God uh, in the middle of things. And this happens throughout the Old Testament. So um, yeah. let, let's go through some of the, and did you have anything else you want to say about the both and I want to go through some of these questions as well. No, I think uh, main things I'm going to say can come up in the context of those questions because that's where the real rubber meets the road in the in the challenge of you know this is a good thing why is it God answering it so I've, I have several thoughts I'll incorporate into your questions. If you've ever wanted to have consistent growth into interesting conversations that help you understand the foundation of the Word of God and share that foundation with a lost world that desperately needs it, let me invite you to become a Creation Today member. My name is Eric Hovind. I'm the president of Creation Today. We have conversations each week with special guests on a variety of topics that are both intriguing and help us to dig down deeper into God's Word. So if you've ever wanted to truly grow in your faith, let me encourage you to spend a year with me. We'll get 52 sessions together and you'll get to be a Creation Today member that gets access not only to every live event we do and have an opportunity to have discussions with the guests, but also everything we've done in the past. It's a great way for you and your family to grow your faith. Thank you.